So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Oh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in our second Football Sunday in the Monday, New York, New York, with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stemsky. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and I think that is where my excitement level, that is where my just overall sense of giddiness comes to a screeching halt, because it really does not get much worse for all of us who are going to be listening to this podcast. If you are a New York Jet fan, if you are a New York Yankees fan, if you are a Miami Dolphins fan like yours truly, it was a rotten, vile, miserable Sunday. We start with the Jets. Now, I don't want to toot my own horn. I hated this spot for Zach Wilson and Gang Green. Hated it. Patriots coming off a loss. Patriots in their stout front seven. Didn't have the utmost confidence that the Jets were going to go and play well in this game. That's why when we did our picks Thursday and a Friday with the great Joe B, I was all over the Patriots laying five and a half. It was my favorite play of the week. With all that being said, I honestly cannot believe how bad it was for Zach Wilson and the New York Jets offensively. And you remember the game when Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts on a Monday night against the New England Patriots a couple of years ago? This game was worse to me because this Patriot defense, it's good. It's not as good as the one that Sam Darnold played a couple of years ago. 
Holy moly, what in God's name was Zach Wilson doing? You're going to look at this stat line. You're going to think about some of these interceptions that were being thrown. They were, they were cringeworthy. You want to tell me one of the interceptions might have been the fault of Corey Davis? Fine. He throws three other inexplicable, unacceptable type of passes that I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you're a high school quarterback. I don't care if you're a college quarterback. That shit can't happen. Can't put it any more obvious than that. Can't happen. That's just disgustingly, disgustingly bad. It's two games into an NFL career. And I credit Zach Wilson for this. He's getting booed out of the building. The Jet fan that was probably super psyched to be back in MetLife Stadium, first time in two years, probably was slugging Bud Lights from like 8 in the morning on. They let him hear it a little bit. Is that a little rough for a rookie quarterback making his first home start? Yeah. But you know what, Wilson, unlike, let's say, Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor, handled it the right way. He said, you know what, with the way I played today, I deserve to get booed. He's not wrong on that. Whether it's harsh or not is besides the point. That's the sort of performance that's going to get your ass booed right off the field. You're throwing up balls in a double and triple coverage. You're missing wide receivers left and right by a ton of yards. It's painful to watch. It was one of those games where I actually legitimately felt sorry for Zach Wilson watching him go through the game. Now, I want to remind everyone that these narratives with young quarterbacks, they need to take shape. You cannot form all of your opinions on a guy based on two starts in an NFL uniform. The problem you have from a Jet standpoint is that the guy you traded away, who, in my estimation, desperately needed a change of scenery, looks like a completely different player now that he's in a system, dare I say, that he can thrive in. I watched that entire Panther-New Orleans Saints game today. A couple of reasons. Number one, I was invested. I had Carolina plus three and a half. Number two, the Miami Dolphins gave me every reason to shut my game off basically midway through the third quarter. What's the grand conclusion? Sam Darnold was slinging it all over the field. He played a clean, crisp, terrific, terrific football game. Is that to say the Jets shouldn't have taken a quarterback at two? I'm not willing to go that far. But what it does is it adds insult to injury. The Jets, in making this decision, second pick, we know who we want. We have identified our guy. We've got to nail this pick. And my hope with Wilson is that by the time you hit the end of the year, because I got bad news for you, Jet fans. There are going to be a couple more stinkers just like this. If you think this is going to be the only stinker Zach Wilson has throughout the course of this year, you're just simply not paying attention. He's going to have some more bad games. That's what rookie quarterbacks do, especially, might I add, rookie quarterbacks on lousy teams. The Jets are not very good. They don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a great defense, even though it played hard today. C.J. Mosley was running all over the field. They took away anything down the field from Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. I think a lot of teams are going to follow suit on that game film, 
on that game script because that's kind of the MO right now of the Patriots. Short, underneath, crossing routes. That's what you're going to get. Jet defense, considering its limitations, they fought again for the second straight week. You got a non-competitive performance from your quarterback there. But you got to get these out of his system by the time you hit the end of the year. This is a very alarming, alarming performance. The key is going to be, before you jump off a cliff and say, it's over for Zach, he can't play, he's a boss, blah, blah, blah. You learn about young players by how they handle adversity. Well, guess what? Zach Wilson was just dealt the hand of some serious bad adversity. Boom, two games into his NFL career. Bill Belichick. Is that a knack for doing that to rookie quarterbacks? You know, everybody gushes over Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert last year stunk against Bill Belichick's defense, which was not a vintage Bill Belichick defense. He stunk. He's got like that sort of voodoo about him that he can pull it off. But by the end of this year, when we're sitting here in December, you can't have games like this. Hope this is rock bottom. Hope he can learn from it. Hope he can get better. I know Jeff fans aren't going to want to hear that. I know you're going to be disgusted. And it was a miserable, rotten, vile game. The idea of making grand conclusions, though, about a rookie quarterback two games in, one way or another, I'm always very hesitant when it comes to that. And I know now these narratives form a lot quicker. Social media, the world we live in, Quarterbacks getting out and playing immediately. I think that only intensifies things where it used to be got to give a quarterback four years. Now it's really got to give a quarterback two or three years. It's crazy, but that's just the way the league works. From that standpoint, let's see. I want to see how Wilson fights back, bounces back. It's going to be hard to look worse than tonight. My goodness. And This ultimately didn't end up mattering a whole lot. The play calling for the Jets, when they were down at the goal line, was as conservative and as scared as it gets. Play to win. I saw a couple of those calls from before, but they had to settle for a field goal. I I want to take the remote and throw it. And I'm not even a Jeff fan because you have to coach and you have to play to win no matter what you might be working with. Scared, scared, scared. It's got to be better. The Jets are only two. That's not a surprise. The element to watch now is quarterback embarrassed, quarterback humiliated, quarterback looked like a deer in the headlights. How quickly can you turn the page? If you're a great one, you turn the page rather quickly and you come up slinging and swinging. If you don't, then... It might not be in your DNA. Something to watch for the Jets. Rotten start to the season. Zach Wilson feeling 100 times worse, I'm sure. Now, speaking of miserable results, the Jets were not the only miserable result on this particular Sunday. So I was at a wedding on Friday, you know, monitoring what's going on in the Yankee game. I'm in very good spirits. Made a kick-ass best band speech. Dancing the night away. I basically was responsible for getting the dance floor going. Because there were a couple of songs throughout the wedding where I'm like, 
yeah, we got we got to pick it up here. So I went to the DJ. I got a couple of songs on. I got everybody going. That's what I do. And there's some video that might be circulating on social media that you might see. But that combined with a Yankee win, they're hitting a bunch of home runs. And I'm like, great. Go sweep and humiliate the Cleveland Indians. Humiliate. The Yankees proceed after Friday night in games they desperately need to win, considering how tight this wild card race is. They go and lose on Saturday 11 at 3, and they follow it up on Sunday with their ace on the mound, losing 11 to 1 to the Cleveland Indians. You don't deserve to be in the postseason with that sort of performance, effort, compete level, whatever the hell you want to call it, Aaron Bone. I expect the Jets to lose. They're a bad football team. The Yankees are better than this. They're flawed. They're not perfect. They should not be losing 11 3 and 11 1 at home to the Indians. And let's give Cole some heat for this. Listen, he's had a fabulous year. I love the dude. The Yankees needed a pick me up today. The Yankees needed their race to go and dominate. Cole goes and gives up seven runs in five and two thirds. With 10 hits. You might look at today's performance as the day that Garrett Cole flushed away the American League Cy Young Award. I don't really give a rat's ass about that. The bigger concern for the Yankees is the postseason is becoming tougher and tougher and tougher by the minute. And as of right now, you can't feel good about their chances. Because if you look at the standings in the American League, the Yankees, two and a half behind Boston, two back in the loss. They're a game and a half back behind Toronto, two in a loss. I told you I wanted seven and two in this stretch. Seven and two against Baltimore, Cleveland, and Texas. Well, they've already lost three times. Maybe Anthony and Syosin gets his wish and the Yankees go six and three. I don't see it. They have the look. They have the feel, to me at least of a dead team walking. Because what Yankee fan in their right mind honestly thinks they're going to go after the series against Texas, play well in Boston, play well in Toronto, and play well against the Rays to end the season. Well, that is what they're going to need to do in order to make the postseason. And I saw this quote from Aaron Boone today. I saw this quote, that he had no issue with the team's effort. Even when you're getting your teeth kicked in, the fight is still there, the compete is still there, now we've got to find the production. Well, here's what I know. They've gotten outscored 22 to 4. What kind of fight is that? What kind of compete is that? You know what kind of compete it is? Shit. That's what it is. Absolute dog shit. Lecturing me on compete level. It's an embarrassment. Embarrassment. This is supposed to be, by the way, the easy stretch of the season for the New York Yankees. Since August the 30th, from Brian Hope, the Yankees have lost nine of their 15 games against teams that are under 500. Nine of 15. That's why you're going to end up missing the postseason. And when you do, you have nobody to blame but yourself. And when you do, there better be massive wholesale changes across the board from manager to players on his team. 
you name it. What a rotten Sunday. I mean, aside from the fact that my football picks are pretty good, we'll see how the Chiefs end up doing on Sunday Night Football. Aside from that, I mean, what a miserable, miserable day. All right, speaking of misery, you know who want to come and gloat? An old pal, an old friend. Bill from Los Angeles is going to join us. I'm sure the voicemails will be rather intriguing. We'll set the stage for Monday Night Football. We'll go around the league. Pretty crappy slate at 1 o'clock. Pretty amazing slate at 4 o'clock. All that more. New York, New York. Our old pal, the boss man, the podfather, Bill Simmons, up next. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. So I figured on a day that's absolute misery here in New York, the Jets get demolished. I think Zach Wilson just threw another interception. And on a day in which Garrett Cole gets shellacked and the Yankees fall further behind in the wild card race, we bring in somebody who could go to a little bit. He's in much better spirits than I am today. Bill from Los Angeles. What's happening, buddy? Ugh. I, you know, it was weird. It was like a moral loss for the Patriots, even though they won. I felt like they should have won by 40 points. I wanted to take Zach Wilson's heart and I wanted Belichick to hold it in the air. It didn't quite happen. Well, a fifth interception. The case. That's fifth interception could have made it happen. Plays the New York Jets. I'll ask you this right out of the gate. What was the worst performance? Darnold seeing ghosts? Wilson today. I felt bad for Wilson because I'm not sure he should be starting in these games. Like, you think how careful the Bears have been with Fields, you know, where they're just like, they're easing him in. And same thing with the Niners and Trey Lance, who have a much better team. And the Jets, they don't have an offensive line. I can't really name an above-average skill position guy in their team that I would start in fantasy. And they're just kind of throwing Zach out there against Belichick. I would have waited. I don't know if I... Who's their backup quarterback? I well, they don't have one. That's the Is problem. that the problem? They don't have what? A, well, they don't have a veteran backup quarterback. And you know how the league works these days. 90% of the time, they want the rookie out there because they want to maximize that rookie contract. <laughs> I get that he's in a terrible situation. I guess the fear is, Bill, that games like this create bad habits and lead to things down the road. That, to me, is the concern for the Jets. Because you know what? A whole lot of rookie quarterbacks, including Justin Herbert, by the way, Looked like garbage against Belichick. Just saying. I would say it's beyond a fear. I think you can do a lot of damage to a, a rookie QB on a bad team, especially in the first half of the season. And, you know, I think that's why some of these other teams have been really careful. The Patriots are in a different situation. They have, I think, a playoff team. Like, they're not asking Mac to do a lot. Even that Dolphins game last week, they were really, really conservative the first half, really the first three quarters. And with the Zach Wilson thing, now all the Jets fans are like, what the fuck? We have, we're going through this again? This is, we're, we're running this back? This is Groundhog Day? Like, they're all having a heart attack. Well, you know what makes it worse, too? I'll tell you what makes it worse. Seeing Darnold today with Carolina, lighting it up, playing terrific football, winning, and then you're realizing, holy shit, yeah, Darnold changes scenery. Of course he's going to thrive. He's leading the Avon Gaze. He's leaving the New York Jets. He's no longer in the pressure cooker of New York. Yes, Sam Darnold's going to play good football this year. That's obvious. 
He was fine. Let's not get carried away about Sam Darnold he today. Well. Like he was, he was, he, he was last fine. Last week he stunk. He played well today. You don't think he, he played well? He was fine. If I'm the Jets, I'm if I'm a Jets fan, that's not what I'm freaking out about. Like to me, it comes down to, well, I think we've talked about this before. Like the trade that the Niners made to move up to number three, I would have, if I'm the Jets, I just would have taken that at number two and given Darnold one more year and got moved back down a few spots, gotten two extra firsts and built to the future. Like you really have to believe in this Zach Wilson and they're bringing him out of the gate. They're bringing him to the biggest sports city we have with a fan base that hates itself. And now you're throwing them to the Wolves. They We've already seen them do this with other QBs and he was terrible today. I mean, he really, like two of those picks were like, you shouldn't be playing in a professional game picks. I didn't really see anything from him other than near garbage time. He got his footing a little bit. But um, I just think, I think this whole plan that them and the Giants, it's the same thing. To me, it's a big picture. You screwed up the big picture way to do this. The Giants, they passed on Fields and Mac Jones because they're like, Daniel Jones, he's our guy one more year. And then the Jets, like, you didn't have to go on on Zach Wilson unless you think he's like this transcendent guy. I don't know if he is. I don't. I would bet on no versus yes, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I think a lot of that is the history of the franchise and just how beaten down the franchise is that you really can't just give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get this right. Because, listen, I'm not going to pretend, Bill, that I am like this aficionado on grading quarterbacks because, listen, I'm not Tony Romo, okay? I'm not Chris Collinsworth where I'm watching film, you know, for 11, 12 months. I watch these guys a little bit in college. You watch the guys at bigger programs maybe a little bit more. You got Romo a couple of weeks ago gushing, saying, yeah, he can do things on a field that Patrick Mahomes can do, for goodness sake. So that's his opinion. Obviously, we both think very highly of Tony Romo. Yeah. Again, I heard Tony Romo saying the same sort of crap about Sam Donald a couple of years ago. So I guess take it for what it's worth. Well, Wilson has a cannon. I guess to me, it's the value of the pick. You're picking second. You're in a league that's desperate for QBs. You already have the Darnold thing, which, you know, you're, you're basically cutting bait on a year early, and you could go back, you could still stay in the top 12 in this loaded draft and get other picks. Like, they made it so clear that this pick was off the board. Zach Wilson, they started floating his name in January that the Niners probably didn't even call them. Everybody in the league knew they were taking Zach Wilson. So, look, it's too early to write him off, but this is the worst possible start. Can we agree on that? This is a fucking nightmare if you're a Jets fan. I'm not going to fault you on that. And, you know, a week ago, I was actually giving them a lot of credit because they were down big in the game. They fought back. To me, it was a game that if Gase was coaching, they would have lost by like 30-plus points. And I said, okay. You're probably going to lose to the Patriots in week two. Like, I looked at this spot, Bill, and I think you felt the exact same way. Brutal spot. Patriots off a loss. Patriots really good front seven. Rookie quarterbacks never play well against Belichick. I love the Pats laying five and a half. It's not just that they lost. It's obviously the way Wilson looked, and it's just looking overwhelmed, and in this case, looking completely overmatched. Well, and he's missing two receivers. And going against, I think, a really good defense. He didn't have his left tackle. You know, flipping around, I thought their defense was really good the whole game. I thought they were fast. Um, I thought the Patriots were never really comfortable. And even like the Harris play when he carried nine guys into the end zone, um, there wasn't a lot of that from the Pats. I think offensively, they had a lot of trouble doing this. I thought they were going to open it up, spread the field. I thought they were going to leash Mac Jones. They were in the backfield. Um getting around him it felt like the entire game I thought they would run the ball better they didn't so from that standpoint like pretty good effort by the defense these first two weeks Carolina's offense looked better this week than it did last week so there's something there and then I guess you just have to hope 
as the season goes along, can Zach take his lumps? We went through this with Bledsoe a million years ago. Bledsoe, um, he, Parcells brought him in. He looked terrible. I think we were like 1-10 and 10 or 0-11, oh, I don't know, 0-11, oh, something like that. And then he had a run in December. And by the end of that month, all the Pats fans were like, this is our guy. We finally have a quarterback. Thank God. So maybe that happens here. I just don't know if, if the Jets have enough talent. Well, you remember Eli went through a little bit of a different situation because he didn't start right away. But when yeah. Eli started, he looked like crap. He had that game where he went four for 18 against the Ravens. He lost like six or seven games in a row. He won that last game of the year against the Cowboys when they used to play the Sunday night game that wasn't flexed. Played well against, I think, a 15-1 Steeler team the week before. And Giant mm. fans kind of at the end of that year were like, okay, this is the number one pick. Following year, he ended up leading them to a division. Now, we know Eli went through the roller coaster, went through the ups and downs. But that was kind of the moment where Giant fans said, okay, we have something to work with. That's what the Jets need. The Jets are going to lose a lot of games. They're going to be a last-place team in this division. If they play hard every week and the quarterback gets better and he's cutting these sort of games out of the equation by the end of the year, you'll be able mm. to accept that, Bill, because he's not going anywhere. He's their quarterback, period. There's a couple problems that have nothing to do with him for him. One is that he's in this draft that had five top 15 QBs, right? And it looks like a really, really, really high-level class. And somebody's got to be the stinker. You know, so he's going to be constantly compared. Like any Jets fan watched today would be like, would I rather have Mac Jones or Zach Wilson? I don't know. Well, you could have had Mac Jones. You could trade it back on two first-round picks. So you have that piece. You have the New York City piece. You have this huge microscope. And then on top of it, this franchise that has been searching for QB forever and seems to be going through this Groundhog Day notion of it. And then you have like the rigors of the season and the way social media works these days, where if you suck for two weeks in a row, like the Sam Darnold seeing ghost thing, then everybody's that becomes this meme and people are making jokes forever. They showed him on the sidelines a couple of times. I mean, how freaking young does this guy look? Well, he looks, looks like, like he's, he's in high school. Old. I was going to say he could be in your son's class. Maybe. Yeah, seriously. I think my son looks at the same age as him. But listen, I would rather have Zach Wilson than Tua. I mean, oh honestly, no, I really stop? would. I the really would. Got blindside hit it by I really would. End. All of a sudden now the narrative is that Tua can't play. That's it's, it's ridiculous to me. I think that would have been the narrative either way. I, I'm not sure he could play. I think he can get him an offense. I'm not sure he can. Give him a chance. I think he, he beat your team last week. I felt really he good every time he was in third and eight. Head coach. He beat my team. He scored 17 points. Uh, is he 2-0 and against the coach? He's 2-0 and against Belichick. He beat him last uh, year and he beat well, him this year. There might not be a third game because I'm not sure he's starting Well, listen, again. I don't know if he's going to be in one piece the rest of the year. I mean, yeah. I, I'll be honest, Bill. I don't care who was playing quarterback in this game today. They would have gotten sacked about 10 times. That was embarrassing to watch today. That was like watching a high school offensive line against NFL players. That was, I, I can't believe the Patriots didn't have 11 sacks after watching that last week, to be honest. Well, I mean, but that goes back to last week. The Pats, I think they win that game eight or nine out of 10 times. Their defense... I thought was doing a lot of whatever they wanted. And they, were, they got out tricked a couple of times, but I just what thought they were the too conservative. Possession and the opening possession in the second half. That basically decided the game. And, and the they were too conservative, course. too conservative offensively, had two dumb turnovers. But you look at the AFC East and like, I don't know. I like the, I like some things about all the teams, but even though I know the Bills won 35 to nothing, but Miami had the ball for that entire second no, quarter. If Miami that. had any competent <laughs> offensive line and could yeah. execute on fourth down plays, that's a tie game going into the locker room. Buffalo was dying to pull it, to let them back into that game. And they, and they were like, you sure? You sure you don't want it? And then they finally went up 21 nothing, but they don't, 
they don't look awesome to me. And I, I in general, that was, I know I'm going to talk about this with Sal later, but in general, the theme of today was like, nobody looked that good today. It just looks like a league that is very available. Now, maybe the, we're taping this right before the Chiefs game. Maybe the Chiefs will look incredible tonight. But for the most part, I didn't see a team that I thought was like awesome today. Did you? No, and it's a week-to-week league. Like the Saints, for example. Everybody was crowning the Saints a week ago. I thought it was the perfect letdown spot for them. And you got to be careful of that sort of thing early in the year. You know, there are going to be the highs. There are going to be the lows. You kind of just got to find your way through. I always say at the beginning of the year, if I could go 2-2 two and two in September, keep myself afloat in September, and then take off, I'll take my chances. Because a lot of weird shit happens at the beginning of the year. A lot of weird shit. Well, what, so what, let's say fantasy text me and he's like, Hey, give me your honest opinion. What do you think of my team? I don't know what I would say to a Jets fan at this point. Uh, because you're a major work in progress. That would be my response. Don't expect a whole lot of wins this year. I mean, I don't think would Phil, would you honest, play Will, but would you play Wilson though? Yes. Would you, yes. you would. They have no choice. They have to, they have to, <sighs> they don't have, they don't have that safety net. There's no like Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting there waiting for them. If they go to James Morgan, who basically was signed off the street to be a backup quarterback, and they put him in, you know, you want to pull him if he's having a game like this. I can understand that. But to start him the following week, oh, my God. If I'm a Jeff fan and I see that, then I'm like, holy shit, I have nothing to work with. And meanwhile, there's five teams my guy Minshew could be playing for right now. And, like, Pittsburgh. There's one. Like, why Ruffin Why didn't they Burger trade for Minshew? Completely shot. He looks uh, cooked. He looks completely shot because he played terribly last week against Buffalo. He's he just not, not well. he can't move anymore. And, they, you know, they have a lot of good skill position guys. And I just think he's such a liability at this point from what we've seen. But, like, yeah, Minshew's sitting there. Um, doesn't look like he's going to get a chance in Philly unless they keep putting up three-point halves. But, like, you look around the league, and I'm just, I wasn't really that impressed by anybody. People have these little bursts. People are good at certain things. My team, that, I, my team should have won that game by, you know, that should have been a 40 to three. It should have been done. We should have had our four string running back, second half type thing. And I have questions about them. I, they, they should be a, a convincing 2 and 0 right now. And they're 1 and 1, and I'm not sure. You need a big play threat down the field. You don't have that on offense. That, to me, is my biggest issue with the Pats. They need somebody who could stretch the field and make a big player, though. Well, we 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 have one. It's Aguilar. He just Again, didn't really do answered, that much. You answered your own question. You didn't really do Aguilar that much. Your big play threat. You got problems. You got I was problems laughing today with your team. Parker missed his stretching up for the ball catch that he only makes against the Patriots. Are we the only team that he makes that? Uh, the other thirty-one, the Eagles, he dro- the other thirty the he drops Jets. it. Yeah, but he, he, he there, there were between the drop passes, the missed blocks, and the missed tackles. Uh, I, it's one. I don't know what was worse, watching that or Garrett Cole get shellacked by the Cleveland Indians. As my my, can you believe I'm dumb enough to go to Fenway Park for all three games next weekend? I'm going to witness the funeral firsthand. I know, but as long as you're within two, it's fine because. If you go, if you win two or three, whatever, the, you you just want to linger around. This Red Sox team is not good. No, but you have the Orioles and the Nationals the final week of the year. I know, but the Orioles are very can get very you spoilery. Them, I know. I, I I, I'm PTSD not reverse jinxing it. 2011. I think that's what it's coming down to. You remember the Orioles knocking you out then? That's no. I I have PTSD from every Red Sox game I watch. When we have not a single above average defensive player on our team. And every it, it, every inning has a chance to be four or five outs when we're on defense. So 
I don't know. It, it's, yeah, but you they, haven't watched Goyber Torres and Gary Sanchez play defense enough. They might what, hold my beer. What happened to Torres? I have no idea. He's now off shortstop, by the way. They've he's set, he's seven base. homers this year. Well, he's hitting 240. He's stunk. He has stunk. I'll never forget Francesa being on his radio show when he was comparing Torres to Jeter. And how this guy is the legacy and all that. It's like, but Yankee fans, I'm not even making fun of Francesa. Yankee fans really felt that way. They felt like this was the next guy. When they were in the playoffs against the Astros, he was the guy you wanted up with the game on the line. Now, I don't want to see him anywhere near big spots. But think about this. They had two games against a mediocre Cleveland team. They lost 10-1 and 11-1 in back-to-back days. And with Cole on the mound, to lose that game with Boston and Toronto winning... That's the sort of game that tells me, Bill, it ain't their year. Pack it in. I expect it to go down quietly over the next two weeks. But who the hell knows? This have can you remember in all your years of being a fan a more like up and down, chaotic, roller coaster type of season? This is insanity. Well, it's because of the COVID. I mean, there's there a really good article this weekend in the Globe about the Red Sox, basically COVID just ravaging the team and all the stuff they dealt with, and um, and it makes sense. And I'll, I'm watching it in the moment. Just thinking like, oh my God, here's two more guys I've never heard of. Oh, we, I guess we have Jose Iglesias now and stuff like that. But you read like the, the way it just took the team down basically and they survived it. Now I wonder if, if in some cases it makes the team stronger, right? You survived this two, three week window where every day there's somebody you've never heard of is suddenly in, pitching in the eighth inning or batting in the ninth inning, stuff like that. I just, my only thing is, I just want to make it further than the Yankees. I don't, this team's not going to win the World Series. I, our worst, I was on a Red Sox thread this weekend and we were talking about worst case scenarios. All of our worst case scenarios were the Blue Jays not making it, Yankees, Red Sox, one game playoff. And then it just becomes the battle of the two fan bases who this is our Super Bowl basically for both Basically. sides. Because yeah. you know they're going to lose to Tampa no yeah, matter what. Yeah, exactly. we're, we're losing next round anyway, but we'd have the bragger rights. So all of us are like, we would rather have Toronto win, even though we have a much worse chance of beating Toronto than have to go head-to-head with the Yankees and just have like a nightmare one-game playoff with Bucky Dent and them, you know, the thing that Mike Torres and I had Lou Pinnell in right field. I have to have like the highlights. I, no, no thanks. See, sign, sign me up for that right now. I'm in. Sign me no thanks. No thank you. If, and I want it to be a Fenway too, because then I'll go up in a couple weeks. I want it I to was, be up there. You were making fun of me like two, three weeks ago when I was texting you about Toronto, you and Jacko. Well, you know what it is? It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. It didn't, though. I was sending you texts with the schedule. What was out of nowhere? I was like, look at this. They're going to win. You were trying to troll a little bit. I wasn't trying to troll. I was like, this is the team I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of you guys. I give credit where credit is due. I kissed the ring. I give credit. You nailed it. Toronto. That was, they were the best offense we played this whole season. I agree with that. Hands down. By the way, I know Otani's incredible. Guerrero Jr. should be the MVP. On a playoff team, he's basically going to have the triple crown, average homers and RBIs. I know Otani's doing something we've never seen before. Guerrero's the MVP in the American League. It's tough because we've established this precedent now of rewarding people on mediocre to lousy teams because the nerds have come in and just been like, he had the best stats, so he should win. And winning just doesn't matter anymore with the word valuable, which I, I just don't know what to do with it. So Otani had said, no, no, he's, I agree. He's having one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen in my life. His team's 500. And Guerrero with this Toronto team that's surging and the guy is fucking frightening. And when you go against him, you just assume when he's up with guys on base, they're all scoring. I, I, it, he's not less valuable than Otani. His team's much better. So 
And then they come in with the, oh, no, no. But 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 if, if you switch to them, then the stats and like, I get it. I just, just call it most outstanding player. Don't call it most valuable. You can't be the most valuable player in a 500 team. You can't. I think we, I think we have to invest in Toronto just, in the American League, by the way. You in on um, that? You mean when I got in on seventy-five to one when I was sending you the text? Oh, see now you you gotta you gotta give me some some background information on that. You, you, you mean when out there. when my son was in Vegas with me for SummerSlam mid-August and wanted to make his first bet, and we bought Toronto at forty to one for him, so he has that ticket. Wow. And I was like, I think these are the best okay. odds because Toronto's the best offense I've seen. At that point, they hadn't come on. But now you look at their starters, and they, they have a bunch of dudes that throw 95 to 99, too. Merriweather's back. And I think they're going to be a bitch to play in the playoffs. Tampa's got that weird... They're just good. You and wonder you, and, if they're a regular season team, though. That's the only thing. Like, I don't think the Yankees or the Red Sox would beat them. But a team like Toronto, I absolutely think could take them down. I do. But this matters, though. When you're watching a game, and it's like 5-5 five, five in the 8th. And the other team is just good. And you're guy to guy, you're like, ah, oh, that guy's not that great. Ah, oh, that guy's fine. But they do everything correctly, right? They they the, the the hit into right field with the guy in second base and the guy in the hole saving saving the third out of an inning. And they're just good at baseball. And it's frustrating as hell because it doesn't make sense. Cause it's like every year they just last year is Bruso, whatever his name was. Remember, he got hot in the playoffs. Yeah, Chapman, yeah, the yeah. Whole that guy's yeah. out of baseball. I had him on my AO keeper. He's not even in major leagues anymore. And it's like this guy was killed Chapman last year. He can't even play major leagues anymore. So they have this ability to just like wave their magic wand on these fucking dudes. It drives me nuts. Doesn't it bother you? Like Yarbrough. Yarbrough's the worst pitcher in the league now. He was awesome last year. Out of them. That's the one thing. I do. It, it's so me. annoying. But it's one of those front office quirks that you say they know what they're doing. They know how to they find do. talent. They know how to maximize resources. Tip the cat. I give you one or two options. Before well, we wait, but they, they also know when to cut the cord with people at the perfect time, well, look which is now. perfect example. Perfect example. Chris they know. Archer. They always know. I would. Would you ever trade with the Blue Jays if you were a GM? The well, Blue Tampa, Jays like no, never. I mean, never. I'm sorry, uh, Tampa. Yeah, if Tampa's like, well, hey, like any interest in Blake team. Snell? It's like when the Dolphins traded Wes Welker to your team. I said, what does your team know that I don't? Oh, I, I think we figured that out. Yeah, I would not trade yeah. with Tampa under no circumstance. No, me neither. I give you one or two options here, and I know you picked the Patriots to make the Super Bowl. Forget about that. That's not happening. Uh, I'm just throwing. Why out is that happening? It's not happening. Not okay. Right. All right. That's you remember all. where you heard it. Remember, save it. All right. It. Ta- Na- no. How about this? Name three AFC teams you like more. Three AFC teams I like more. Kansas yeah. City. Okay. Buffalo. Yes. Not af- I'm not afraid of Buffalo. That's fine. I like Buffalo more. We've, we've been beating Buffalo for the I entire 21st that. century. Not afraid. We didn't beat them last year, though. Not afraid. We beat them last but year. Our team sucked last year. It was our first bad year in 20 years. Buffalo I like more. Okay. I like I like Cleveland more. Okay, great. I, I that's I, fine. I know that's I fine. can beat the other two in one game. Sure, you're not getting to the Super Bowl. Okay, that's it. All and right, I'm giving you one or two options. Yep. New England playoffs. They win a game with Mac. The Red Sox embarrass and humiliate the Yankees and either end their season this weekend or end their season in a wild card. You can only have one. No, it, it's it's always embarrassing and humiliating the Yankees. You don't understand. I hate the Yankees more than I like the Red Sox. I heard you, by the way, with Mike, or maybe this is when you came back from vacation. You would honestly trade no championships with Boston for the next 10 years just to make me miserable. That's not very nice. Yeah, that was probably, that was probably. That uh, was, that, 
that was a little hyperbole. You. That was that was kind of mean. I, You've seen it. Listen, you don't understand how mean the Yankee fans were to us for most of my life, and now it's flipped, and I just want to keep it that way. And every year, especially this year, because you guys are like, we're back, Rizzo, Gallo, perfect Yankees, we're back. Here we come. And then it just completely fizzled. You have Chapman who sweats like he's like the all-time, you know, I mean, God only knows, like he's on an airplane that's about to crash and he's just sweats pouring out of him and he throws five miles an hour less than he used to and everybody is teeing off on him. I fucking love it. I love watching the Yankees lose more than anything. Really makes me happy. you enjoy me and Jacko melting down too in the process. No, Jacko does this weird disassociation thing that's really kind of sociopathic. Interesting. He, Interesting. he pretends he doesn't care, but yet nobody could monitor him. Like when I, when I was with him in college, I could see him more. So I knew like day to day, he totally cared. But being 3000 miles away, he can say whatever he wants. Like, oh, I'm not watching anymore. How am I going to know? He's not watching. He'll, he'll scale back the tweets. He does this whole thing. But let me tell you something. He cares. He's watching every inning of every game. He's getting mad and he's still believing in this Yankees team. He does care. I think he cares. I don't know if he believes in the team, though. Well, the other thing he'll do is the kind of weird swerve where he's like, this is better because they're now they're going to fire Boone. He's this trying, is better. Well, he's, yeah, he's yeah. rooting for Rock Bottom. This is basically. better. Yeah. yeah, this is better for us. But he doesn't really think that. He yeah, wants the Yankees to win. Even though I, I'm the same way. Like, I want Boone fired. I want change in the offseason. Am I going to root for them to, root, to lose over the next two weeks? Absolutely not. I can't do that. It's just well, not my DNA. Also, the baseball playoffs are stupid. Once your team gets in, you Anything just don't know what's going to happen. It's not the NBA. It's, where no, it's not the NBA. Bounced in four games. Yankees, if they got in, I could sucker myself into a path where they get hot and win a couple of games. Absolutely. Yeah. Our teams are the equivalent of in the NBA, if they got in, we'd be like, well, you know, Brooklyn never, and they would just kill us. And be like, what were we thinking? That team has way more talent than us. We had no chance. Baseball, you just don't know. Somebody... Some, you know, some ace on the other team sucks in game one. Now you have a one nothing lead. Game two, you come back. All of a sudden you're up. You know, you just don't know. You can win any series. We he won drew, we, in 2013. I can sense it. You, there, there's a little extra pep in your step today. I, I wanted, I wish the Pats had been better. Oh, come on. They won. I do. Covered with these. We, I, know, we had, I know they could have won by 40. You still we got four win. interceptions and we scored like, we didn't even score 30 points. You know I wanted I more. Know, Bill from Los Angeles, a win is a win and a cover is a cover. You got both today. You got both. That's, well, more importantly, got. I, I texted you a few days ago. I said, I love your team. You go, I have way too much liability on the pass. I did. I did. And did they deliver? Yes or no? They delivered, and that made me happy. So did the Vikings kicker missing that field goal was the highlight of my day. I don't know what was more a highlight, that or me using every profane word in the English language, yelling at Mike McCarthy over the <laughs> final sequence of that game, and then seeing Zerline drill a 56-yarder where it was like, well. Never a doubt. Yeah, way Never to go. Never doubt, baby. Never doubt. Enjoy Sunday Night Football. Send my best to Cousin Sal. We love the 86 uh, Met documentary, by the way. It was fantastic. I appreciate it. Can I come back on after Tua gets benched? In like week five? Well, I, I think I want to have you on again when Tua knocks the Patriots out of the playoffs. Now, listen. When he recovers, if, he's going to get a little medicinal treatment for that rib. I hopefully didn't break anything. And he could go 3-0 against Bill Belichick. Let me tell you something. If We could joke about the Yankees all we want. If my team took Tua over Herbert, who was the next pick, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night. I would need like actual sleep aid. Like what I'll do people okay. take when they okay. can't fall asleep? I'm going to be okay. 
because it's either going to be two or Xanax. I'll be okay. Trust me on that. I will be okay. Is it Xanax? What do you take when you can't sleep? I'm a melatonin kind of guy myself. But my wife would just be like, it's I get two- some wacky, weird dreams though when I take that melatonin. <laughs> Be careful yeah, be careful with the melatonin. My wife would roll over and be like, it's 2.30, why aren't you asleep? I'm just thinking about the Justin Herbert Tua thing again. That would just be me every night for 15 years. But anyway, good luck. Good luck with Tua. Hi, Bill from Los Angeles. Good to see you. Sweat. You mean armpit tears of weakness brought about by poor deodorant choices? Say goodbye to that salty river that floweth from your underarm with Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Made for 24-7 sweat protection with daily use and an undeniable smell of cedarwood and lime. Mmm. Giving you the confidence you need to quit your job, move to a remote island, and spend your days frolicking with dolphins. Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Shop Old Spice now. So before we get to some very angry New York voicemails, let's go around the league, recap what was a rather blasé one o'clock early window and what was an amazing down-to-the-wire electric four o'clock window. That's actually where I'm going to start. Let's start with the four o'clock window. And you had to know, point blank, that a Gus Johnson, a keep to leave broadcast pairing meant you were going to get an outrageous, outrageous, outrageous game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. Arizona fell behind early. Arizona, with the mastery of Kyler Murray, came storming back. Now, he threw a couple of turnover interceptions, led to a couple of turnovers, ended up being a back-and-forth game. You thought Arizona was going to go for the kill. They did not gave Minnesota a chance to go and take the lead with a game-winning field goal. Minnesota got in the field goal range. I thought they got in a comfortable field goal range. Shanked kick. Gus goes nuts. The Arizona Cardinals start off the year 2-0, and that is a very painful flight back for the Minnesota Vikings. 0-2 to start this year. Easily could be 2-0 to start this year if a couple of bounces of the ball end up going their way. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. You got to find ways to win in the NFL. Vikings unable to do so. The Cowboy-Charger game, despite the fact that it was 20 to 17. It felt like there was high wire, back and forth, insane type of action with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys moving the ball, Justin Herbert and the Chargers moving the ball. It just felt like these drives for these individual teams would like stall out on a dumb penalty, something wacky, turnover, what have you. Ended his game. I am thinking, as someone who's holding a Cowboys plus three and a half ticket, I'm completely screwed. Because Herbert's marching it down the field. It looked like they had scored the go-ahead touchdown. They call an illegal shift. They back him up about five yards. I'm like, all right, pray for a field goal. Then you have a situation where the officiating crew rules Justin Herbert down when he clearly wasn't down. I'm like beyond grateful watching this game saying, how in the world did they rule him down just about now? How, how did that happen? How did that make sense? Well, they did. Ended up backing him up. The Chargers were unable to score a touchdown. They have to kick a game-tying field goal. And then you get to Dallas. And it's funny because I'm going back and forth with a couple of Cowboy fans. Our buddy Jason Katz, who's a big Cowboy guy, actually praising Mike McCarthy. I said, I like that he went for it early in the game. 
I like the fact that he's using Tony Pollard a lot more. Like, I was giving McCarthy love. Then I watch as they're inside the 40-yard line. They have a timeout in their pocket. They don't run a play over about 21, 22 seconds. And they basically settle in for a 55-yard field goal. I'm like, holy moly, why did I just give Mike McCarthy all this praise? What the hell is he doing? Greg Zerline, put it all out to bed. Right down the middle. Game, set, match. That's a hell of a win for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have played very well in two games. They've hung in against two high-powered offenses. They were better on offense in Tampa than they were here in this game against the Chargers. But they will gladly take one and one. Now they return home to take on the Philly, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I was going to say the Phillies. I'm still in baseball mode. Uh, in what will be a pretty juicy Monday night game. I'm in that Monday night game next week with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Very impressive. Very, very impressive win for Dallas. Atlanta and Tampa got wacky. For those of you who might have laid the lumber with Tampa Bay, they got off to this unbelievable start. It looked like they were going to win a game by like 20-plus points. Then all of a sudden, Atlanta's coming back. They're in the game. It's a one-possession game. Matt Ryan's making plays. Calvin Ruiz's making plays. But Tom Brady continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. 276 yards, five touchdowns. Throws, what, two to Rob Gronkowski? Mike Evans, Jason Katz was all over that on a fantasy spot on Friday. Said he's going to come alive in a big way. Big game for Mike Evans getting involved in the proceedings. And Tampa looks the part of the reigning Super Bowl champ. Atlanta, they got their offense going in the second half. We'll see if that's something they build on next week as they're taking on the Giants in a game the Giants absolutely have to have. I think that's it's basically a loser leaves town type of game. I know Bill will enjoy that reference. It's a loser leaves town type of game. Atlanta at 0-2. The Giants at 0-2. Something's got to give. But the brilliance of Brady? Insanity. Speaking of insanity, how about Tennessee? Down big against Seattle. They come storming back. The end of this game in regulation, I'm screaming at Mike Vrabel, who I take as a guy who's kind of aggressive. Henry's running all over Seattle in the second half of this game. They score the touchdown to go down one. I'm like, all right, he's going to go for two. He's going to try and win the game. He kicks the extra point with Randy Bullock, and I'm shocked. I'm like, he's kicking this? Seriously? He's kicking this? And with Wilson on the other sideline, I thought it was going to come back and bite him in the ass. To Tennessee's credit, they got a stop. And not only did they get a stop, they should have won the damn game on a walk-off safety. I don't know how that wasn't called the safety. They're trying to make the argument that it was forward progress. It was not. Number two, there was a hold in the end zone. So you're two for two right there, officiating crew. That's got to be a safety. Thankfully, it didn't matter. Tennessee got the ball, marched in the field goal range. Randy Bullock ends up hitting the game winner. And Tennessee steals a victory in a very, very tough place to play. And Seattle let one slip away. But that was the story of week two. The story of week two, a whole lot of injuries and a whole lot of questionable, questionable calls. But honestly, that's kind of par for the course in the NFL these days. All right, 1 o'clock slate. We'll run through these quick. Broncos, they fell behind early. Then they came storming back. Ended up getting the 2-0. 23-13 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sorry, Joe Benigo. It looked like you were in great shape. Not to be. How about Bridgewater? 
328 yards, two touchdowns, finding the connection with Cortland Sutton. Really good sign for the Broncos. 2-0, and they got the Jets coming in their building next week. Denver has a great chance to start off this year 3-0. Talked about Carolina earlier. I love them in this spot against New Orleans. I thought it was such a letdown spot for New Orleans offensively. Winston was not very good. Carolina was incredibly efficient. Carolina's defense forced a ton of turnovers. And now the Panthers, 2-0, and they got Houston on a Thursday night. Very realistic that the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule and Sam Darnold could be 3-0 by the time you have football being played next weekend. It's amazing how narratives can kind of shift and turn on a dime very, very quickly. Carolina has that positive juju working in their favor. And for New, New Orleans, they got to go to New England next week. And the loser of that game is going to be one and two and kind of licking their wounds a little bit. How about the Raiders? I was down on them going into the year. Now, I did love them on Monday night. This was a stay-away game for me against the Steelers. A couple of takeaways here. Derek Carr is playing really good football. He's got the connection with Darren Waller. We know that. He hit Henry Ruggs on that bomb down the field. And despite all the skill position players the Steelers have, I don't believe in their offensive line. And the quarterback looks like he's 10 zillion years old. I'm not in love with the Steelers this season. I'm not. That is an eye-opening performance for Pittsburgh offensively. And I don't say that in a good way. The Raiders are 2-0, and they get Miami coming in, maybe with Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback. Now, I want to see how the Raiders handle prosperity. I don't know if I necessarily trust them to go and handle prosperity, but a hell of a start to the year. Give credit where credit is due. Niners, 17-11 over the Eagles. A game that it felt like Philadelphia had chances and just kept stalling out and stalling out and stalling out. And give the Niners credit. When they needed to make big plays, they made big plays. Go-ahead drive. Garoppolo ends up scoring a game-winning touchdown. Bosa making plays left and right. They get the touchdown right before the end of the half. And it does not need to be pretty if you're Kyle Shanahan in the San Francisco 49ers. You had a lot of things go wrong last year. Take the wins. You're 2-0 and you haven't played a home game yet. I'm not apologizing in the least. Another 2-0 team in the NFC West. The LA Rams was not pretty for them. For those of you who ended up taking them to cover three and a half, you're probably not happy with the way Sean McVay and the Rams handled those final couple of minutes, but you take the win on the road. Stafford making some throws, 27-24, even with the sore right thumb, taking down the Colts. And Wentz made some plays in this game, but also was knocked out of this game. That will continue to be a theme for Carson Wentz. I think he's going to play better in this system. I think there will be a comfort level with Frank Reich, but Colts will look a lot better by the end of the year. They're a team that just traditionally always gets off the slow starts. Brownies, they got off to a slow start. They had a steer with Baker Mayfield. Didn't matter. 31-21 over the Houston Texans. And listen, the rushing attack for Cleveland is the story. They are going to be able to run the football in a lot of teams. Chubb gives you 95 yards. Hunt gives you 51 yards. Winning football. Cleveland is going to be a winning football team this year. I don't think there's doubt in my mind. Bears, hold on for dear life. Dolan gets knocked out of this game. You get an opportunity to see Justin Fields. Wasn't great. Made some plays that kind of wowed you a little bit. But they took advantage of a couple of Joe Burrow interceptions. They survive a late Bengal comeback. And it's a 20-17 to win for Chicago in the game I build as the Andy Dalton revenge game. 
Didn't end up getting the Andy Dalton revenge, but a win for the Bears nonetheless. Bengals fall one and one. Last but not least, and this game made me sick. Dolphins and Bills. I mentioned how it was a statement game for Miami for where they want to kind of position themselves in the AFC East. Well, I think they made that position loud and clear. We can't sniff the Bills. We couldn't block the Bills. That's what they should be saying after this one. We got our quarterback decapitated. I mean, you're going to let a defensive lineman come in untouched and drill your quarterback on a fourth down play? That's embarrassing. That is Little League bullshit. Can't put it any simpler than that. That's bad, bad, bad football. Two is out. How long? I have no idea. Jacoby Brissett couldn't move the ball. Well, he did move the ball, but when it got you know inside the 40-yard line, something weird would happen. Either stall out on fourth down or a turnover. I mean, it was just, it was one of those sickening games to watch. And it's the sort of game where if I were Brian Flores, I'd burn the tape. I'd say, we're not watching this. We're not wasting any time on this. Buffalo is our daddy until we find a way to beat them. And we're putting this behind us until we take on the Vegas Raiders. Buffalo didn't even play a great game. But you know what? They needed a win. They got a win. And now the sexy team of the preseason improves to one and one. All right. That's our run through of week two across the board in the NFL. We are taping this obviously before the Chiefs take on the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll have a little bit more on that come Tuesday for the pod. Voicemail time. I'm looking forward to these. In case you're wondering how to leave a voicemail in New York, New York, it's 917 382 1151. Let's get it. Hey, brother. JJ, what's up? TK here from Allendale. Just got home from the game. Um, you know, I'm not like devastated. I mean, I didn't expect them to win the game, but, uh, comes down to this. Zach Wilson has got to take care of the ball. Can't turn the ball over. Can't be thrown into double coverage where balls get tipped. Um, you know, the last two interceptions that way, one way underthrown and then the other one, I don't know what he was doing, just throwing it up for grabs. And Mac Jones uh, didn't turn the ball over. It wasn't spectacular, but just did what he had to do, check down when he had to check down, and that's basically what the game came down to. Zach Wilson, you know, getting careless with the ball and Mac Jones taking care of the ball. So uh, I'm not ready to go. Zach Wilson's a bust after two games and all this overreaction stuff. He's just got to clean it up, take care of the ball. I thought the offensive line actually played a lot better. Uh, they ran the ball well. I didn't think the defense was terrible. But, you know, like I said, bottom line, you turn the ball over four times, the other team doesn't turn it over, you got no shot to win. I'm out, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye. I feel the pain of the great Tommy Keenan, but I think Tommy Keenan is hitting the right note from a Jets standpoint. The Jets did not have lofty expectations going into this year. This year is about how you're going to grow as a franchise, how this quarterback is going to develop. How is he going to get better from game one to game two to game 17? It's a year-long progression. This is a major setback for Zach Wilson. This was a pathetic performance for Zach Wilson. It's one individual game. Let's not make it a career narrative that all of a sudden now two games into taking over a franchise that all of a sudden he can't play. Because if that were the case, then Eli Manning would have been cast bye-bye and would have been sent sayonara a long, long time ago. Wouldn't have made it through 2004. Mac Jones is in a different situation than Zach Wilson. Mac Jones is not going to have to do as much because his defense is good and his running game is good and his coach is outstanding. They're not going to ask Mac Jones 
to throw the ball down the field 40 plus times. They're just not. That's why if you're going to look at success, of course, Mac Jones is going to have more success from a win-loss standpoint. He's on a better team. This is about how Wilson's going to grow over the course of this year. Who's next? Hey, JJ. It's Max from Westchester. I called earlier this year about the Jets. I was pretty stupid. I thought they might be able to compete with play- for a playoff spot. Obviously, hindsight, that was dumb of me. You caught me delusional. You were definitely right. Today was an awful, awful showing from Zach Wilson. I don't think it means he's a bust. It's only his second game. But it was definitely concerning. The line today wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. His receivers are fine. The running game was actually pretty good. Zach only has himself to blame. I really can't see any other avenues for blame. And it's just disappointing. I was wondering your thoughts on Zach Wilson and the current state of the Jets. I actually think Salah's got the defense coached up pretty good. I've been impressed with that past two weeks. But today, as a lifelong Jet fan, was very disappointing. And I'm a little nervous about Zach after today. Thanks, JJ. Listen, I can understand your nerves. Because you got a lot of PTSD of bad Jet quarterbacks going through Sam Darnold, going through Geno Smith, going through the downs of Mark Sanchez. You've been searching for that guy for a long, long time. So when you have a game like this, you're like, oh, no, here we go again. I can't handle this. I can't take this perspective. I think you have good perspective when it comes to your coach. So far, the team has played hard for Robert Sala. It's a good sign. Does that mean he's going to be the next great coach in the league? That remains to be seen. But those are the early signs that I look for. Is the team prepared? Are they giving that max effort week in and week out? And are they going to get better as time goes on? That, to me, is the sign of a terrific coach. I've seen that with Frank Reich. I've seen that with Brian Flores. I've seen that, of course, with Bill Belichick over the years. Their teams get better as the year goes on. Something to watch for. Who's next? Hey, JJ, Sean Long Island, live outside, met my stadium at the Jets' disastrous loss to the Patriots. Listen, I know you're feeling pretty sour as well. I think you've lost the Bills. But listen, I'm sorry, JJ, let me be sour. This is my sour time. A six-point underdog early in the game, that fumble was the Jets' way. I'm sorry. I don't know if the game would have been different. Probably not. But at least let me vent right now. There's a different timeline right now where the Jets get that fumble and this game goes differently. I'm just so sick and tired. No matter what, Patriots get the calls. It goes their way. I don't know what would have happened. Wilson might have played terrible, but whatever. I call in the New York defense, and I just think there's a different timeline where the Jets play differently, and this game comes out differently. Sure, they'll probably still lose. I'm sick and tired of every single thing. That crowd was juiced today, early in the game. That fumble goes the Jets' way. I think everything changes. I'm sure you're going to tell me I'm crazy, and that's okay, JJ. I call you defense. And that's all right, man. Sorry about the Dolphins. I think the Wilson Tua thing is still free too at this point. But uh, really, really sour right now. I think the fumble was a big point in the game. But still, Wilson, it's usual picks. Um, sorry about the loss, man. And uh, listen, week three is right around the corner. Take care, man. It was a lousy day for the two of us. I don't think there's any doubt, especially when you throw in the New York Yankees, for that matter. And they're a terrible predicament. Um, the NFL is a week-to-week league, folks. And I know some of you aren't going to want to hear that. It's week to week. These narratives 
the mood, the up, the down, the highs, the lows, they change weekly and they change on a dime. So mentally, you got to be prepared for that and you got to be understanding of that. Did I love that fumble shakeout at the beginning of the game? Did it go against the Jets? Of course it did. Do I think the game would have turned out differently? I don't. Because I also saw the Jets with an opportunity to score a touchdown and they went as conservative as humanly possible with a couple of play calls where they didn't give their quarterback a chance to throw. You got to throw the ball. Just because he's throwing some interceptions doesn't mean all of a sudden now you can't go and try and score a touchdown. It felt like they were content. Hey, let's get three. Let's get something going here. Can't play that way. Can't think you're going to win that way. That's the sort of loser's mentality stuff that would drive me insane. But the mood from a week ago, which I think was rather optimistic from a Jet standpoint, that soured quickly. And my mood in general soured quickly, too. It's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. The way the cookie crumbles. Who's next? JJ, it's uh, Anthony and Syosset. Um So to me, the season is now over. You can tell me all you want about mathematically not eliminated. You can tell me all you want about two back in the lost columns, the teams that you still have games with. I'll get to that in a second. But when Cole is, is spent, when your bullpen has shown that nobody, not one person is lights out reliable, and when the hitting has been as inconsistent as it's been, what's the point and who cares? You know, I mean, we went from planning a uh, a bodega day at the one game playoff not e- not even a month ago, brother, to now this. Um, the only important thing, and I've mentioned it in a previous voicemail about the games coming up against Boston and Toronto and then Tampa, is that if the team shows some sense of pride, it may save the manager's job, and if the team gets absolutely embarrassed you know i mean don't forget every game against boston or toronto you, you know you're, you're talking a, a a huge swing in the standings win or loss right so if they win they can make the case that they fought for the manager if they lose and it's an embarrassing end of the season you know that embarrassment is something that leaves a stain with the front office i'm on record get rid of the manager you need some new blood that actually holds people accountable, but you and I can get in, into that uh, on our 2021 Yankee post-mortem episode. But it doesn't mean a thing if you have the same sort of uh, leadership and mentality in the front office. But after this weekend, it's over, dude. The Yankee season is over. That's how I feel. We'll see how you feel. And before you know it, my voicemails will be nothing but gambling, Giants football, Eventually, Islander hockey, Nick basketball, but a lot of gambling. Take care, brothers. That is a very beaten down Anthony Syosset, who took his son to his first Yankee game on Saturday. He thought Don Mattingly bobblehead day was going to be a moment of jubilation. And I'm sure it was a special day for Anthony and his young son. I tend to agree with Anthony Syosset as of right now. I do not think the Yankees are making the postseason. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they play great over the final two weeks. I do not think they're making a postseason. With Boston staring Baltimore and Washington in the face over the final week of the year, with Toronto rolling the way that they are rolling, and the Yankees being a team that's played terrible baseball over the last three weeks, why am I supposed to trust them? They couldn't win games at home against a mediocre Cleveland team 
They got outscored by like 20 runs and it had Cole on the mound on Sunday. I'm supposed to believe the Yankees are now going to go play well against Boston and Toronto. I don't see it. And this is where I disagree with Anthony. It does not matter to me how they fight the effort. No, if the Yankees are out of the postseason, the manager has got to go. Somebody's got to pay. You're going to sit there and tell me. You're going to sit there and tell a Yankee fan. A year in which you were Vegas favorites to go and win the American League. Forget about winning the division. You missed the playoffs and finished in fourth place in the American League East? No, 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 no. Somebody's got to pay. Yankees go and give Aaron Boone an extension off of this season. Don't let me... Don't let me get near a microphone. Well, actually, please let me near a microphone. But I'm going to lose it in a way that I've never lost it before. That's nonsense. We are talking about the New York Yankees, for goodness sakes. When you're going backwards, not forwards, someone's got to give. So forget about fight, Anthony. you got to be in the playoffs. I'll take it a step further. you got to win the game for me to justify, hey, guess what? We could start entertaining the idea of running it back. You can't beat teams that are under 500 at this point. And you're going to sell me I'm bringing this manager back? No, no, no. Please. Anybody who's going to try and do so is damn full. Two to go. Hey, John. It's uh, Andy from Michigan. First off, let me say sorry about your Dolphins. Joined the club of misery today with the Yankees. First, I got to say that I'm done. I'm completely fucking done. Two straight blowouts after the 6 nothing lead. And then, of course, Cole is on the mound. I like Cole, but this he's shown this too many times, John. To get, We needed this fucking win today as bad as you can imagine. And he gets blown out. And then, of course, I got to hear John Sterling and Susan Waldman perplexed as to why the fans booed. You know why they booed? Because they, we needed the fucking win. You're the best pitcher on this team. And you get blown out. And you get taken out of the game. And absolutely must win. And, of course... Looks like Toronto and Boston are going to win. John, my question for you is this. It's over. We're not going to make the playoffs. Boone has to get fired. Who do we hire? And are we going to get rid of Brian Cashman? Let me know. Yankee fans are done with this team. I totally understand why Yankee fans are done with this team. And I'm going up to Boston next week for the funeral. I feel like I should go up to Boston next week full and black. What do you think about that? Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith's bomb. Maybe, maybe I got a reverse jinx going with black all weekend. I might do that. You guys down with that? All black for Yankees, Red Sox? I might do it. I might do it. I'm not doing a black suit. It's too hot. I'm not wearing a suit jacket for a ball. But I'll pull out some black. That's what I'm going to do. Dress for the occasion. If I'm hiring a manager, I want one of two guys. Buck Showalter or Carlos Beltran. One of those two, and I'm going to be very, very happy. We'll have a lot more time to start speculating about such things once this season comes to a close. It's just hard to imagine this team is going to put it together with a playing postseason baseball. You're telling me they're going to have a big week against the Red Sox and the Blue Jays? I don't even trust the Yankees to play great baseball against Texas. Like, do I think the Yankees are going to sweep the Rangers the way they put against Baltimore and Cleveland and Anaheim and these lousy teams? No, I don't. They're probably going to end up losing. At least one of these games. Zero confidence. Zero. And it is amazing to think about where they were a month ago. Where basically I was planning a trip to the wild card game. I was, tra- I was planning a trip 
to Tampa, for goodness sakes. Shame on me for that. Last but not least, who's up? Hey, JJ, Joe from Monroe, New Jersey. Long-time Yankee fan, absolutely disgusted with this team. I'm definitely on the get-rid-of-Boone bandwagon. How do you allow Cleveland to come into your house, a less-than-500 team, and outscore you 22-4 to four or whatever in two games? They're playing for nothing, and you're fighting for your playoff life, and your team looks lifeless, dead. How do you allow that to happen? I'm sorry. Some of this is a reflection of the manager. And the rest of it is a refre- reflection of the Frankenstein that Cashman created for this lineup. Not going to fight you on any of that. And the quotes and just the body language and the demeanor that I was seeing from the Yankees after the game tells a story. It absolutely tells a story. This is a shook baseball team, folks. This is a front-running baseball team. When the Yankees are going good, they're really going good. But when they get hit in the nuts, and they have the deck in many ways stacked against them, now that the going has really gotten tough, they have not responded. Their shortcomings have been on full display. The bullpen wards. But you know what's killed them more than anything? Their lineup. This was a team that was supposed to mash on a nightly basis. And I even thought when they got Anthony Rizzo and they got Joey Gallo, what we saw over that three or four-week stretch was going to carry throughout the end of the regular season. It did not. Basically, from the minute the Yankees left Oakland, they play like crap. They lost those last two games in Oakland. I said, no big deal. They lost two out of three to the Angels. And even then, you said, you know what? No big deal. But when they lost that series at home over Labor Day weekend in the Orioles and then got swept four straight by the Toronto Blue Jays, that's when you knew, you know what? They're in deep doo-doo. The only silver lining I can find from a Yankee standpoint is that it's been such a weird year. And it's been such a roller coaster of a year. Do they have one more high to get to? I'm trying to figure that out. My gut feel is probably not. But with the way this 2021 season has gone, that's basically your only hope. I mean, to lose this game would call on a mountain. Imagine if you bet the Yankees today. Thankfully, most of you will probably bet NFL football anyway. The Yankees are like minus 335. 335. And they don't only lose the game. They, they get smoked. They score one run. I'm going Wednesday, and then I'm going all weekend. Don't ask. That's all I'm going to say. Don't ask. I have issues. I have problems, but that's a story for another day. All right, we'll set the stage for the week ahead, and I'm expecting the worst in more ways than one. We'll give you a pick for Monday Night Football, too, right after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
So before we say goodbye and hit Jeff Money and give you a play for Monday Night Football, uh, we're recording this pod before the Met game ends because, quite frankly, the Met season is over. After what I saw Friday and after what I saw Saturday, what ends up happening in this 2-2 affair that I'm currently watching right now means Italy squad. The Braves won today. The Phillies have beaten the Mets every which way. And let me make this clear. I did, in the American League standpoint with Simmons, as far as Vladdy Jr. for AL MVP, Bryce Harper is the NL MVP. You got Tatis screaming at Machado over the weekend. You got Tatis and the Padres. They lose every single night. They got whooped by the Cardinals, which I love, by the way, because I have the Cardinals at over 85 and a half. And every win that they are going to have from here on out is rather significant to some. So I enjoyed every minute of that. But you got Harper carrying his team. You got Tatis and the Padres going in the tank, and he missed time. Harper's the NL MVP. No matter what happens to the Phillies this year, Bryce Harper should have the vote. The problem is these dopey riders with these narratives that go from April, May, and June, they hang on to them. Instead of letting their eyes kind of tell the story over what they're seeing with a baseball season. But the Met offense continues to be awful. They've been awful against the Phillies down the stretch. And think about this with the Mets. The Mets won that Yankee game a week ago. And it was all in front of them. Listen, the Cardinals, they had for three games. They were basically three back of St. Louis. They have a big week. Even if you win two, you're right there. They got swept. In all honesty, even though the Mets are going to miss the playoffs. Anyway, the Mets season officially ended. That extra inning game, Bias hit the game-tying home run. We were on the air that night. That first and third one out. Lindor grounded in a double play. They didn't score. Cardinals scored a bunch. Mets lost the game. That was when the Mets season, to me, officially ended. The weird dynamic in all of this. I'm a big Mets fan. Even though I think the Yankees are doing diddly squat, and I'm, in many ways, out on the 2021 season, I will be hooting and hollering like crazy for the Mets Tuesday and Wednesday up at Fenway Park as the Mets will go up there and play two games. Hooting and hollering like crazy. So the reason we're not waiting for this Met game, listen, it's over. And the Met fan will tell you that, though. We asked Spotify Greener yesterday. I spoke to plenty of you. I know the deal. I get it. All right. Jeff Bunny, I had a better week than you did, my friend. At least picking games. In other ways, not at all. Not in the least. What do you got for Monday night, my friend? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap for picks. This could be for tomorrow, Monday the 20th. I only got one game, which I already gave out already in the NFL for the Monday night football game. I'm going to go with the Lions plus the 11 uh, when we gave it out the other day. I know the line went to 11 and a half, but as for us, for us, it was still was 11 when I did give it out at the time. So that, that could be my play. Hopefully, I ended on a winning note there after Sunday, uh, a little bit not too uh, great there for the NFL. But uh, let's see if we can end it on a winning note. I know you'll probably be going against me, but we shall see. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. All right, Money, we are heads up in this Monday night game. I just can't trust the Lions to keep this game competitive. I'm not going to go nuts and overreact to what you saw with the Green Bay Packers in week one against the New Orleans Saints. A different team at home. Aaron Rodgers gets cooking. Devontae Adams gets cooking. And I think we see the Lion team we saw for two and a half to three quarters against San Francisco, not the team that fought back in extended garbage time in the fourth quarter. 
I don't love this game, but it's a primetime game. We're going to play it. I'll take Green Bay laying the lumber. Kind of in a down mood, I'm not going to lie. I don't expect this to be a great week for the Yankees. I'm probably going to have to sit through Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback next week in Vegas. I'm just thankful I'm not going to be there for the game. So there's that. Listen, sometimes you're in giddy moods. Sometimes you're in shitty moods. That's, that's basically it. I'm in a lousy mood. We get through. This is therapeutic. The boys, fantastic work as always. Voicemail's terrific. We're back Tuesday night. I think the Yankees might be like five out at that point. I know they can't mathematically be five out, but, you know, sometimes your math can get a little doozy late in the day, football Sunday, and a whole lot of losing from your teams. On that note, I hope everybody enjoys the start of their week. Enjoy the weather. It's beautiful. September in New York City is nothing like it. JJ out. Take care.